today I actually feel very privileged to be able to share this reading with you on this Christmas day. And today's reading is um, Luke 2, verse 8 to 14. So if you have your Bibles and would like to follow on, or you can just simply follow on the screen. Luke 2, 8 to 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. I'm one of the pastors here, there we go. And uh, so pleased that you could be here on Christmas Day as we keep having a think about some of the songs that are recorded for us in the Bible around Christmas time. Today we're thinking about the song that the angels sing to those shepherds in their fields. So why don't I pray for us uh, and then we'll have a think about that passage together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Christmas, and thanks that we've got this bit of time now before the busyness of the rest of the day uh, to sit and to remember the circumstances in which your son Jesus came into this world. Uh, Please would you help us now to see this this picture fresh, uh, to not be uh, lulled into a sense of familiarity, but Lord, to see the identity of your son as you want us to see him this Christmas. And we pray it in his mighty name. Amen. Uh, when uh, my kids were born, my wife Catherine and I, we, we had a bit of a decision to make. Uh, and I'm sure it's the decision that every parent here has to make when their kids are born. It's in the hospital room, you sit there and you think, who are the people that I need to tell about this? Who, and, and more specifically, who are the people that I need to tell first about this? You know, that's an important decision to make in the hospital room. And you're usually not at your best when you're making that decision. You're probably a little bit sleep deprived and some other things. Uh, But my wife, Catherine, and I, we realised when our kids were born, okay, the people that we have to tell first, number one on the list, are our parents, right? That's obvious. New grandparents need to know this news. But then we were faced with an even bigger question, a much more serious question. Whose parents do we tell first, Catherine's or mine? And, and, you know, as we looked into the future, we could see that this could have been a cause of division at family birthdays for years and decades to come. Who got the first phone call when the first grandchild was born? We didn't know what to do, and so we came up with a solution. The solution was, genius, we'll just send a text message to both of them, same time, and then they'll both get the news, nobody will be playing favourites. And so that was my job, to send the, uh, the picture of the grandchild. You know, you know that picture, the first picture of every baby born that gets sent to a grandparent? It looks something like this. You know that one? The baby's all... Uh, or squished and red and slimy, not looking their best, but you send that photo and there's joy, isn't there? And so that was, that was my job, send the text message to the grandparents, grandchild born, Alyssa Grace Roberts, three point whatever kilos, attach the photo and off we go. 
Uh, however, uh, I kind of stumbled out of the gate here. My first responsibility as a dad didn't go so well. I happened to actually send the photo long before I sent any of the explanation uh, of who this little human was. And so cue the frantic phone calls from the grandparents. What is this? What is, that? is that your child? What, is it a boy or is it a girl? What's going on? Uh, so our birth announcement was a bit of a dud uh, right out of the gate. Uh, but these days, birth announcements are kind of big business, aren't they? Uh, on social media, it's, it's almost like a competition to see who can post uh, you know, the most clever, the most spectacular kind of photo, uh, something witty that speaks to the, you know, the kind of uh, mood of the family. Uh, some people make videos about their, their birth announcement that this one has come into the world. Uh, if you're a bit more old school, maybe you put uh, an announcement in a local newspaper to say that this child has arrived. Really, kind of the scale that you go to to make a birth announcement kind of depends on the importance of the child a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, if you can remember back earlier in this year when the royal baby was born uh, to Prince uh, Harry and Meghan Markle, little Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor, one of the best names ever, uh, when he was born, do you remember his birth announcement? There were these uniformed uh, servants at Buckingham Palace who came out into the courtyard and placed a little placard, like a a framed announcement, on a gold easel in the courtyard in front of the gates, right in front of the watching media and the watching British public. They popped champagne as they saw these servants come and do this. It was reported worldwide. I I mean, that, as far as birth announcements go, that's pretty high up there, isn't that? That tells you something about the importance of this child who was born. Now, if you happen to have a baby in this coming year, if you're pregnant or if you get pregnant, and you're thinking, well, how do I outdo everyone else? How do I win this competition making the best birth announcement? Here's how you do it. Uh, You have an angel announce the birth of your child. You have an angel come to your street and uh, wake everybody up in the middle of the night pronouncing that your child has been born, uh, and then you get the angel to invite his friends, a whole troop of angels, to provide celebratory kind of backing track to this announcement. If you want to win the birth announcement sweepstakes, that's how you do it, because that is the fanfare that accompanied the birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago. Here in the Christmas story in Luke's Gospel, the birth announcement is on a whole nother level, isn't it? And as we take a look at this announcement this morning, and as we focus particularly on that song that the angels sang, we're going to consider what that shows us about the importance of this child that first Christmas morning. So let's have a think, uh, first of all, about some of the, uh, the circumstances of this announcement, because it is spectacular, isn't it? The most obvious kind of detail that you pick up as you read this story is the one making the announcement. This is unusual. It is an angel who comes to announce the birth of this child. And we're told there that the glory of the Lord is kind of, when this angel shows up, the glory of the Lord is shining all around. This angel is kind of radiating the majesty of God. I think we're supposed to kind of understand that this angel has come straight from the presence of God and he's radiating out God's goodness. He's got a message from God to deliver. I think that's the expectation. And what does the angel say to these shepherds in the middle of the night? He says, don't be afraid. Which, let's be honest, that's the first thing an angel has to say, isn't it? Because like, angels are very strange creatures. They are sort of the most exalted and the most magnificent creatures in all of creation. The rest of the Bible sometimes pictures these angels as having three sets of wings and being robed in blazing white dress. 
And so they have to say, don't be afraid. Uh, Angels, you see, they're kind of messengers from God. They come and go at God's bidding. And so the arrival of an angel here, it's signaling to us that something significant is happening. This is kind of like if a police officer comes and knocks on your front door. Uh, You don't expect that a police officer will do that if they just want to have a chat with you. Just see how you're going. If a police officer comes to your front door, there's business that needs to be discussed, isn't there? This is serious. There's an expectation here. As the angel shows up, heaven is going to speak. And the angel does confirm that this is a big deal, him being there. Uh, Look what he says. He he says that he, he has come to tell them some good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And that phrase there, that, that, that idea that this angel has come to bring good news, that, that, those words good news, that's where we get that word gospel from. It's, it's that phrase, the good news, the gospel. Gospel was a, a word that was quite familiar in the ancient world, actually, uh, because it was kind of like an announcement. Often a gospel announcement was when a king had won a war. They would spread the news of their victory. They would take messengers out into the countryside to declare that peace has been achieved and that anybody who wants to come under the submission of this king, well, they will be safe from destruction. That was a gospel kind of an announcement. So people are familiar with this language of good news. In fact, they're familiar with gospel announcements being announcements about the birth of children too. Uh, The the Roman emperor of the time, uh, a guy named Caesar Augustus, when he was born, he had one of those announcements, messengers going out, taking the gospel, taking the good news about the birth of a saviour. That was Caesar Augustus. According to an ancient inscription that archaeologists found in Turkey, speaking about the birth of Augustus, it said that his birth gave the whole world a new aspect. Quite a high praise, isn't it? So great was Caesar Augustus's power and impact that the inscription says that from his birth, a new reckoning of time must begin. Wouldn't you like that said about your child? And so when a gospel announcement comes along, the world is radically changed. That's the expectation. This birth announcement shaping up to be one of the most important, monumental announcements in history, right? Yet, there are some surprises in this story that that make us think twice about the significance of this birth announcement. For starters, just think about who this announcement comes to. It doesn't come to the top of the food chain. It doesn't come to Caesar Augustus, to the self-proclaimed son of God. Uh, This announcement doesn't come to the noblemen. It doesn't come to the religious leaders and scholars of the day. No, it comes to shepherds, just, you know, regular guys on the night shift. These guys, we don't even know their names. They don't seem to have anything impressive on their CV that would warrant such an honour. Isn't that an odd choice? for these people to receive this news, this gospel announcement. I mean, if you were God and you had great new, good news that was great joy for all the people, what would be your publicity strategy? It probably wouldn't involve showing up to this mob in the middle of the night, would it? Now, why does God do this? Why does the voice of heaven come and share this world-changing news with these shepherds? Well, I think it's because God wants to show us something. It's that God wants to show us that he is, he's not just interested in an elite class of religious people. That's some, often a misconception about God, that he only wants to have a relationship with good people. But do you see that God actually wants to come to all people? 
no matter their social status, no matter their background, no matter their bank balance, God wants to know and be known by everyone. And that includes you sitting here this morning. One more detail in the story, the circumstances of this, uh, this announcement. Did you notice when this announcement comes? Uh, it comes at night, we're told there, which might seem like a kind of small throwaway detail, but it's actually very important because it's picking up on something that Luke, the gospel writer, said just a few verses earlier, back in, in chapter one. We looked at it actually on Sunday, if you were here at church. Zechariah's song. Zechariah, who is John the Baptist's father, uh, he sings this song and he, he talks about a time when God is going to bring salvation into the world. And he describes it as like a time when a rising sun will come to us from heaven and shine a light onto those living in darkness, in the shadow of death. Because you see, darkness is one of the main ways that the Bible describes the world that we are living in. According to the Bible, this is a world of darkness. It's a world of disconnection. It's a world of death. And that's because, according to the Bible, we have turned away from the God who is light and life and love. And when you turn away from light, where else is there to go but darkness? When you turn away from love, what else is there but disconnection? When you turn away from life, where do you go but death? That's our predicament, according to the Bible. And Luke wants us to pick up on this, this small clue here, this detail, that as the, the angel of the Lord comes and the glory of the Lord shines around, that in some small way, that darkness is beginning to be pushed back. Luke wants us to pick up on the fact that in this gospel message, we're seeing that light and life and love are breaking into the world again. So that's kind of the, the details of the announcement, the who, the where, the when. But I want to actually zoom in now and just focus on the message itself that the angel says. So let's read together from verse 11. Verse 11. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. See, the heart of the angel's message here is an incredible offer of peace. According to the angels, this baby born in that night has come to bring peace on earth. At the, uh, the time that the angels made this announcement, uh, Emperor Augustus in Rome, he'd established what had uh, become known as the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. Uh, it was kind of a period of political stability in the Roman Empire, uh, where the empire kind of flourished and expanded, covered a third of the world, and where the citizens of this empire were guaranteed safety and all sorts of privileges to boot, the Pax Romana. And this kind of peace of Rome, it lasted for about 200 years. It was quite unparalleled in the ancient world. But you see, the peace of Rome, as magnificent and as large scale as it was, it is about to get dwarfed by the peace of God. Uh, there's a first century philosopher named Epictetus. And he was writing, Greek philosopher, writing around the same time that Luke wrote his gospel. And he reflected on this peace of Rome. And this is what he says. He said, While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, 
He is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart, for which man yearns for more than even outward peace. See, the problem was that Caesar Augustus couldn't transform any of his subjects' hearts. He couldn't alter any of their eternal futures. He could bring outward peace, sure, he could conquer a few enemy nations, but he couldn't bring inner peace, peace to our souls. And I think that even on a happy day like this, like Christmas, one of the happiest days of the year, deep down we all know that Epictetus was right, don't we? We all know that inner peace is elusive, hard to take hold of. You can try and create kind of an outwardly peaceful life as much as you want, but finding true inner peace always seems to be out of our grasp. And the Bible's explanation for that is, again, because we have turned away from the God who is light and life and love. So it doesn't actually matter where we go looking for peace, where we go hunting for inner peace. We'll never be able to to earn it, uh, to find it, to reach it, because our problem is that we first actually need to have peace with God. Before we find peace in our souls, we must have peace with God. That relationship needs to be repaired. And the remarkable thing about this announcement, uh, what makes Christmas so incredible is that these angels say that this baby born that night, he can give you such peace. He can bring inner peace to you, peace on earth for all on, on whom God's favour rests. Somehow, miraculously, this child is going to undo our darkness, undo our disconnection, undo our death. And how is he going to do that? Well, it's because this child, you see, he is God himself, God in the flesh. Look at verse 11. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. His job is to be the saviour, the rescuer. His title is Messiah, God's long-promised king, and his identity is Lord. And that word Lord there, it's making a staggering claim because that word Lord is, is the Greek word which translates the personal name of God. And so it's a clue here that this child is in fact the Lord, God himself come to his people as he always promised he would. You know, every, every so often at Christmas, you find a news story somewhere about a, a wealthy businessman who's gone and you know, served in a soup kitchen for the day, or about a, a very successful athlete who spent Christmas Eve uh, in a children's hospital bringing hope. And, and so we look at stories like that and we think, oh, isn't that great? You know, what an amazing and kind and humble thing this person has done. And it is, not to take anything away from that. But look at what this angel is saying here, that the God who made you, The God who designed your DNA. The God who got you out of bed this morning and brought you here and sustains you at this moment in time. That God came near at Christmas. The one who was far off is now close by. At Christmas, this God took on flesh. You see that the the voice that made the cosmos could now be heard crying in that cradle. The hands that placed all of the stars in the sky now grasped Mary's finger. The eternal God stepped into our world. The author wrote himself into our story in the most unexpected way. He wasn't born in a palace 
to a queen. He was born to a girl in a cave and his cradle was a food trough. The Son of God, you see, he came to be just like us, to be among us rather than to be distant and to lord over us. So if you've known poverty, so has he. If you've known what it's like to be an outsider, so has he. You know, he didn't live some gilded, protected existence. He knows what your life is like. And as Jesus himself put it when he grew up, he didn't come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Because you see, friends, God didn't just come to enter into our darkness. He came to take on our darkness. He came to take that darkness onto himself, that death, that disconnection that we all deserve for turning from God. He took it upon himself at the end of his life as he hung to die on a cross. He plunged all of that badness down to the depths of hell where it deserved to go. And then he rose up again to light and life and love and to share it freely with anyone who will come to him. You see, the reason why this birth announcement is such good news is, and the reason why it would bring joy to all people is because this birth would be followed by a death. This Christ child, born to die, to bring us peace with God. That is the meaning of this angel song. So the question is, how will you respond to that song this Christmas? Will it go in one ear and out the other? Will you receive this peace at Christmas? Do you know many people miss out on this peace because they fail to make room for Jesus? Do you remember why Jesus was lying there in that manger in the first place? Why was the God of heaven in a feeding trough? Because there was no room anywhere else. No one had made room for him. This is the one who made the universe, and yet the universe said, we don't want you, stay out. There wasn't a place for him. And that is how it can be in the lives of so many of us, can't it? No room for Jesus. If you're anything like me, then most of the birth announcements that you receive these days probably look a little bit something like this. A postcard with a smiling baby's face, their birthday, maybe their weight on there as well. What do you do with a birth announcement like this? Probably lives on your fridge for a little while, a week, two, a month, maybe. Where does it end up, though? In the rubbish bin. Most birth announcements come and go and make no difference to us whatsoever. But this Christmas birth announcement, this gospel news, is news that will radically change your world. For those who say yes to Jesus, for those who welcome his coming, there is light and life and love. There is peace with God. There is great joy. And there is a song in our hearts Glory to God in the highest heaven. Will you make room for Jesus this year? Let me pray for us. Almighty God, creator and sustainer, we thank you that 2,000 years ago you stepped into this world, that in love you stooped down into our predicament, into our darkness our disconnection and our death. Thank you that you chose to come and experience that here with us. But that, Lord, you came to take that from us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. 
Thank you that he is our saviour. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Thank you that he gives us peace with you. Lord, I pray that you would please help us to know that peace this Christmas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.